Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Congratulations, you've unlocked some Gorilla Radio. I am a crypto keeper, Steve Strange. I will break down a digital asset called cryptocurrency. But you'll be rolling into central land. I got no time for glitches. I just need to buy land. They are chasing my bosses. What somebody be telling? But I don't give much. Cause I ain't selling. My NFT is not another number. I put a price, so don't place a bit what is under. The banks wanna see us there. If a bull price is on ahead, but still I have mana on my ledge. So when you bled, First, they ignore you. Then, they laugh at you. Then, they fight you. Then, you win. Mahatma Gandhi. This is a quote that resonates pretty thorough in the crypto space. And it's become one that I'm growing quite fond of. It says a lot in those few words coming from a very powerful and iconic figure that had to do and deal with a lot of resistance and aspects of freedom. This quote resonates in the crypto space because it rang very true as far as what has taken place since the beginning. When crypto or digital assets came on the scene, it was easily ignored. It was not taken serious. I mean, why would it? There was no point. And then when it started to gain a little bit more traction with its value, it was still scoffed at. But then the evolution continues and it begins to morph into more of what it's going to be about, thus disrupting the system. And so there's a lot going on within the crypto space, which involves everyone, and it touches on every aspect of life. And it has very interesting standpoints that everyone will find somewhat personal, I guess you could say. This episode's going to be a little a little bit more than um, the educational standpoint that I like to deliver. It's going to push the boundary a little bit because I've gotten into um, the thorough details when it comes to Bitcoin. And here I've just started to want to get into more of the details that is ethereal. However, there is a third wheel 
if you will, to the crypto space. And it's called stable coins. This is a very, uh, how should I say, uh, a very enveloping type of uh, technological advancement as well because it operates very differently. I mean, it is still a currency and it's going to be widely used, but it still has a lot of dealings with the financial system and the way that economy works. And so to describe what a stable coin is can be fairly simple, yet the interactions begin to really develop in ways that you were not aware of. So to, 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 I guess, put this into perspective, first we'll go over what a stable coin is. A stable coin is a type of cryptocurrency whose value is tied to an outside asset, such as the most common US dollar or a fiat or gold. And what a stable coin does is it stabilizes in price. One thing that I'm familiar with is the reluctance that someone may have in getting involved with this emerges with this emerging uh, market because they are just not comfortable with the volatile price, the price movements, the price action of how extreme it can appear to be in its fluctuations of going up and down, a higher price, a lower price, a winning value, a losing value. It can get quite, uh, it can become quite an emotional roller coaster. So then comes along stable coins. And that's pretty much, you know, as it's, it's pretty much as it sounds, it's a stabilized price. It's a, a dollar pegged coin. So say if you had uh, a few bucks, say $5 and you put it into a stable coin and it would hold that value of $5. It's as simple as that. And it goes, you know, to any extent in any amount that you can apply to it the only thing is you're taking that fiat the paper money that we're all familiar with and you're putting it into this coin market into this stable coin where that very amount of money that you put into it will hold and sustain that value it will not be affected by the fluctuations in the market it will not go up in value. It will not go down in value. If you put $50 in, it will hold, maintain, and stabilize that value of $50. So let's back up a little bit. By late 2013, it was clear crypto assets would be the future of finance. It was the first time Bitcoin crossed $1,000. Central banks around the world began publishing warnings of negative influence towards this emerging digital asset to curb, to curb that 
decentralized genie bursting out of the blockchain, threatening the stability of the familiar system. First they ignore you, then they fight you. When this blockchain technology came on the scene, of course it wasn't easily understood, but as it grew and grew, and by that I mean the more millions upon millions now into the billions of dollars that have poured into this this market it certainly raised some eyebrows raised eyebrows up to the point of what you're seeing today this very moment the coin market has just reached a major major milestone in hitting that one trillion dollar mark the coin market is now worth a trillion dollars and not only that one of the main drives the main coin that assisted this that pushed that over that edge is a forty thousand dollar coin forty thousand for bitcoin for all the bitcoin maxis out there i can imagine how ecstatic and how much you may be celebrating of course, something like this will no doubt disrupt any legacy and familiar system that everyone is used to because this is a whole new wave coming in. So we're going to get into a little bit more about what a stable coin is and what it has to offer because it has some very, very interesting very interesting aspects to it and immediately it's unknown once you find out about bitcoin that's one thing and then you find out about all the other coins certainly that world begins to widen but then when you hear the term stable coins then now you have to continue or actually relearn your whole concept of what you thought money was so to kind of further provide the perspective and the value of why stable coins exist and why they are necessary, there, I will apply a bit of an economic breakdown, okay? So let's go into interest rates, all right? Um, interest rates is what you pay for borrowing money and what banks pay you for saving money with them. Meaning once upon a time, once upon a day, when you deposited money with a bank and your savings was in their custody, you had a decent return on them holding your money. Meaning the interest on the amount of money you had in there appreciated quite nicely i can't really recall what or how high that number may have been because it may be a little bit before my time because for as long as i've known uh, banks really don't offer much interest for you to gain on your money in your deposit so if we go to the bank of japan they are at a negative 0.10 percent or negative 
at the Bank of Japan. Their certain economy has been in a bit of a uh, dire situation for a couple of decades now. And they've done and practiced many different types of monetary policies, just about everything you can throw at, um, maybe like a throwing Hail Mary when it comes to different types of policies. And yet they are still at a negative rate. So what this means is depositors are paying their banks to hold the money, to hold their money. And if we move over to the Bank of England, well, they're not looking too good these days either. I mean, considering what we're all facing with a certain level of illness going around this entire world, it's affecting every country and the economy that goes with it. And so Bank of England is, of course, being directly affected in their own way. So their rates are coming down pretty quickly as well. I don't believe they're in a negative yet. However, the Bank of England policymaker, Michael Saunders, said they can cut their rates below zero if needed. Because to him, this is a solution of recovery. So to kind of bring it further in into our more local idea of what this country, the United States, has, I guess you could say, practiced or has carried out. On December 16th, the Federal Reserve, which is the, the main entity that kind of uh, directs what these rates are going to be, um, seeing how, how this country has been battered by this particular challenge as well, upon many challenges really, it's, um, well, this country has lowered our rates pretty close to zero. And we've never, you know, it's, it's never really been this bad to this point of the consideration of sending this country and our interest rates down or too close to zero. However, it has been done before. The last time the Fed cut rates was in December of 2008. And this was just after. This was post that financial crisis of that year. And the way they addressed the financial crisis was to cut rates to virtually zero. It was, it was cut very, very low because, again, this was their method and their indication of... Uh, a solution. And so from 2008 and to, to all the way to 2015, until they saw those signs of recovery, they were only going to keep these rates low, which means any money that you had saved in a deposit was not going to accumulate very much, if any, at all. So I had to kind of put this level of detail to your attention so that I may further go into what these digital stable coins can actually offer. And so as a stable coin, in order to acquire a stable coin, to get into stable coins, you're pretty much you're offering up the your end of the fiat or your end of a collateral type of asset. 
So they become backed by something of value. So whether it is just fiat or say even if you had gold and you deposited it to a point of you being able to get stable coins in return, you would be given that amount that amount of what that gold is valued in stable coins. And back stable coins have the advantage as coins as these coins are stabilized and they are not correlated with the fluctuating crypto space. These back stable coins are essentially almost another safe and secure way of maintaining the value of your money or whatever it is that you back the stable coin with. Bitcoin and altcoins. Altcoins is a term used to describe any other coin besides Bitcoin, which essentially stands for alternative coins. They're highly correlated together and assume the risk of falling prices. Whereas one can take refuge in a stable coin. So when it comes to stable coins, you, there is a variety to choose from. There isn't just one, you know, as we're familiar with just using our U S dollar, our fiat currency, our paper money. But when it comes to stable coins, there have been, there, there are a, a diverse selection of stable coins to choose from. And most often they have, uh, they have achieved some really good credibility, meaning from where they are derived, they are transparent, they are safe and secure, they are reliable, they are backed from wherever they were minted. There is a uh, liquidity pool behind, behind their value, meaning they're not just being printed out of nothing. Something else is, is backing their value of once they are created. So one such uh, stable coin is called USDC. And, and that's basically, you know, as it sounds, a United States digital um, currency stable coin, a USD coin, US dollar coin. Uh, and this represents a major breakthrough in how we use money. This is a digital dollar. And it works just like all the other digital content in the crypto space. And it moves at the speed of the internet, which is also just as remarkable. Because when you're moving stable coins, you're moving that value. Now that this blockchain technology exists, so does the store of value in the internet. And so this has now the capability of moving money at the speed of the internet, which means you're sending it from point A to point B in that exact moment of pressing send. And that settlement is instantly taken care of, which means you are not waiting on a banking institution to clear it or to decide to settle it with wherever and however it's going. It's basically going from one wallet to the receiving wallet. Now I will say, however, this, the stable coin is still very different than a regular digital currency. See a digital currency, whatever the altcoin is, whatever 
however the amount of Bitcoin there are, whether whatever you're sending, the value lies in that coin alone. But again, with this stable coin being backed, when you send it to that receiving wallet, when it reaches that other end, though they might have that stable coin, they can either still maybe spend it in a in a in an applicable way in a um, whatever service that they're conducting to carry out a purchase, or they would need to convert or exchange that stable coin into their local fiat, which means there has to be that value on the other end as well to put that stable coin back into the fiat of, you know, whatever country or whatever place it's going. And that's really only something to embark on right now because this class, this emerging class, this digital asset class is still being formed. And so the infrastructure is still being built to the point of us still needing to use fiat in some way. So the USDC is a pretty reliable and transparent uh, stablecoin. It's from a, uh, um, a well-known and respected company called Circle. They've been around in the crypto space for quite some time. They've had direct uh, partnerships with Coinbase. In fact, it was first launched on Coinbase, I believe. And um, it's one of the most widely used stable coins out there uh, because, again, it's tied to the U.S. dollar and the U.S. dollar still has some dominance in uh, the world. So USDC is, is, is a quite popular stable coin that's being used regularly. Another stable coin is uh, True USD or TUSD, and um, it also stands for uh, Trust Token. And the Trust Token is from another reliable and respected company. Uh, the TUSD is considered the world's most transparent stable coin uh, because it's it's uh, it's fully regulated, just as the USDC coin. Um, and I will say th these are these are metrics to really take note and uh, to kind of lean on because you know they're not there are a couple of stable coins out there that are very suspicious in nature, and what you want to look out for are those more trustworthy uh, stable coins that exist and are regularly used that have that rule that fully regulated uh, position and uh, so the TUSD is um, not only trusted by the world's leading businesses and I and I will say they're quite remarkable businesses but they are um, very established investors behind this coin so I think you'll probably see more of this particular token as well um, and it's also adaptable in many other uh, uh, countries around the world Though ours is referred to as the TUSD, uh, the the Great British Pound, the TGBT or TGBP, sorry, or the TAUD, the Trust um, Australian Dollar. So it has this uh, forex aspect to it. It it's um, it's easily backed by many of the other uh, fiat currencies in all the other countries. So that's pretty interesting. Um, and then if we move on to another very interesting stable coin called Paxos. Uh, Paxos is um, 
been around for a few years as well. They're also very highly trusted and reliable. Um, they have a very good mission in wanting to uh, make it possible to move assets anywhere instantly and, um, you know, democratize that access, access to a new global frictionless economy. And uh, take note of that word too, the frictionless economy. That's the point of sending the, uh, you know, money from point A to point B with, um, you know, no middle person taking a huge cut out of the delivery. If you're someone that's uh, de that's dealt with remittances or any kind of, uh, you know, um, cross-border or around-the-world type of payments, utilizing the service is utilizing that middleman who takes a pretty good cut from you just trying to send any money at all. Again, this is part of that innovation of um, using uh, stable coins as a regular digital asset, as a regular dollar-to-dollar pegged type of currency so paxos um is um actually it's a digital dollar that launched in 2018 so it's it's one of the the newer um stable coins that uh, has been around um the the silicon valley um particularly and uh, but they they've had quite a history you know they've been part of many different companies from around the world. And what's also interesting about Paxos is um, earlier in the year, PayPal made a uh, comment about using some uh, a particular stable coin as well. And it was Paxos that they chose. So that's another interesting note is that there are various companies that are going to choose particular type of stable coins. And for PayPal to actually call out and um, identify Paxos as, as uh, being that stablecoin that they're looking to use is, uh, you know, quite remarkable and quite a compliment. And then, um, so the various exchanges, the coin, uh, the coin exchanges that you would go on and create an accounts with to pick up other cryptos, other digital assets, such as uh, one called Gemini, an exchange based in New York. They have their own stablecoin as well. It's called GUSD, obviously, and um, you know, it's as simple again as putting your fiat cash into the account and you if you if it's a stable coin that you're acquiring, you you know, they carry the GUSD. And um so a few other ones. Another new one that came on last year that I've been kind of taking notice is one called Meta USD. So MUSD is a uh, very, very new stable coin. And so there's a, a substantial amount of risk with that one because it's so new and hasn't been around as long. And then, um, interestingly enough, another uh, status uh, of a digital asset, given the status of a stable coin, is uh, two in particular uh, called XRP and XLM. XRP has been quite the uh, has been in quite the controversy lately, and um, it's going to be interesting to see what becomes of this uh, particular digital asset that's tied to a company called Ripple because they are making um, uh, a huge, uh, huge dent in the crypto universe in, in this, in a, I guess, in a particular way to say that, um, again, you'd have to look into that to find out because there's so much detail on that project alone. We've mentioned it before. I've mentioned it in a couple of choir. Uh, a couple of prior episodes that it's a, a 
uh, quite a remarkable project that's possibly going to actually change the the way we look at the economy around the world. And the um, the adjacent uh, coin next to XRP is one called XLM, and it's called Stellar, uh, or the company is called Stellar, and uh, it's got you know the a similar type of advanced technology behind it. And um, one of the most complementary ways to describe it is these two in particular being the fastest and the most adaptable um, and interoperable type of stable coins out there. What's interesting to note is they are classified as a stable coin, even though it doesn't appear to be because they are presently being hugely affected with the fluctuation of the price. So they're not showing signs of the, the usual stability of, of maintaining that dollar value because they're valued at less than a dollar. Um, but they actually um, are going to be classified as a stable coin. The only deal is that the established price for those two has not yet been decided. This is how early we are in the space is that these two uh, game-changing coins um, will have a set price um, to them once they get established into what they're going and where they're going to be used. So, you know, that's really very interesting on its own. Another one to look out for is uh, one called RSV or the reserve token or RSR is the name of the company. I don't know much about this one other than it's a newcomer as well and it's going to be quite popular. Um, one that you might see here in the near future. So that's very interesting. So I saved the best for last in uh, bringing up one called DAI. D-A-I. So all the previous uh, stable coins that I've just mentioned are all created from a centralized company that have uh, that have a certain amount of backing to them. So they are tied to, uh, particularly they are tied to fiat, though they, some of them may actually be uh, tied to other, maybe other commodities such as gold or silver or any other property of, of value. But this particular stable coin called DAI is um, one to, I guess, take note of for sure because it is a decentralized stablecoin, which means it has no um, central authority entity behind it to dictate its uh, whereabouts or its creation. In fact, it's generated from a, um, a protocol or a program called Maker, M-A-K-E-R, and um, <clears throat> essentially, it's referred to as uh, MakerDAO. And uh, the DAO is D-A-O, which stands for Decentralized Autonomous Organization. So the MakerDAO is a self-operating um, protocol or program that operates independently on its own. It's autonomous on the Internet. And so... It's an autonomous program or platform that accepts other digital assets or collateral. And once you apply those other outside digital assets into, into that platform, into that protocol, it then produces or generates the DAI token. 
and this die token is it's uh it's price stable and it's pegged to the dollar one to one um but yeah it's it's an autonomous program where you know you pull it up um um, I believe it's maker.com. I can look it up real quick. But yeah, once you apply the digital asset into it, and it gives you a selection, you know, it, it'll ask you um, uh, what you want to, to use. So yeah, makerdow.com. And using it's very easy. Um, it, it, you know, a lot of these platforms, uh, decentralized platforms, they'll always ask to connect a wallet. So you'll need a... Uh, a wallet to connect to something I'm about to uh, inform you of here in a little bit, but um, this autonomous program works all uh, independently, all on its own. So you apply um, an asset, and in return, you are given this stable coin, this Dai stable coin. And um, so, however much it's used, however much uh, assets are applied to it, um, one is generated from that. And there really is no cap to it. It's just however much, excuse me, however much you um you know it can take, however much you can um, apply to it from different sources from all around the world. And it's a very popular uh, stablecoin. In fact, it's been around for a very long time. Uh, the Maker DAO is uh got a lot of history with uh, the Ethereum uh, network and the Ethereum protocol. In fact, it's the Maker uh, DAO is the very reason that Ethereum had to split off in the two and had to split and become a fork off another, uh, another network, um, which is why there's an Ethereum and an Ethereum classic because of an incident that took place with the MakerDAO. So, and, you know, to, to expand a little bit further on this maker, um, you know, it allows you to, to go in and trade. So you can uh, swap out, swap out um, currencies if you wanted to it's so it has a little bit of an exchange a small exchange into it meaning it has a very limited um, supply or a specific coin set in there or you can actually um, become uh, or utilize the the lending protocol so you can borrow um, you know assets uh, use like a borrow feature meaning like um, similar to going to a bank and taking out a loan uh, you can take out a loan from this protocol or you can simply just generate some die, put it into a savings protocol or into a, the savings option. And as it sits in there as a savings, it starts to accumulate interest. And, um, and the interest gain or interest that you can earn from having die sitting in the, the, the savings feature within this um, ranges from anywhere from like 2% to 5%. Now, Take note of that, considering what um, I mentioned earlier about other banks, um, either at a negative rate, meaning you're paying to have a savings account or paying you nothing in return to have a savings account. This, this is the most remarkable part that I'm wanting to, um, that I'm hoping that you would understand. The stablecoin has the ability of you being able to turn it into a savings and then collecting on a significant amount of interest earned on that savings. Meaning the stable coins offer more interest 
than any other digital asset that offers this feature. Anywhere from the 2% that I mentioned that varies in different types of platforms all the way up to 17%. In fact, the, the Meta USD coin that I briefly mentioned has a platform where it will, um, it, that it pays 50%, 50 to 60% interest gain on, uh, you know, just by you utilizing the savings feature. That is really unheard of. In fact, if you go to any bank teller and, and you know, ask to, uh, or and just inform them that there is a savings account that you are aware of and it pays 50 to 60% interest earned on, on that savings, well, you would probably be laughed at because that's completely unheard of and almost hard to believe at least until you see it for yourself and utilize the service yourself. This is what stable coins can offer. And the main reason that the interest earned on stable coins is so high is because they have the easiest liquidity feature in them of where, where, or how accessible a lot of the money is. Um, because a lot of the protocols that offer this amount of interest earned is also utilizing the, um, the, the, the borrow feature, meaning it's getting lent out from others that are taking out loans, um, using these protocols similar to you would as you would with a bank, but this is a, um, an online independent, uh, banking service, a decentralized banking service that uses all the same features you get from a bank, but it's not a bank. It's, uh, it's basically an autonomous, um, uh, benefit of it operating on its own, um, its own type of, uh, level of operations of, of lending and borrowing and the savings of acquiring fees on its own and distributing those fees within the users. So essentially you're becoming a, a stakeholder in the use of that program which is also quite remarkable. And, you know, this is, this is, um, this is a part that's almost hard to believe and that people will not be used to, to hearing maybe of something of a benefit like this. Decentralized money does not discriminate. It empowers for sure. So from this point, <clears throat> um, I have to get into a, um, a bit of news that has, has occurred. Now we are really just a few days into this new year and so much news and so many events have already taken place as well as you may have seen or heard already. It's been a, a wild ride so far. I mean, just when you thought, how can so much happen in a year like last year, we're just getting started this year and a lot's just as much has already happened. So one such example is a, um, a piece of legislation that has come down from uh, the U.S. government in particular. And this legislation comes from the office of the Comptroller of the Currency, one of the most powerful offices in the government, because this is the, uh, the one that decides how 
and where money flows, basically, and, and a lot of the entities behind that. So federally chartered banks may participate in independent node verification networks and use stable coins for payment activities. So the first part in banks being able to participate in node verification, mean, which means they can now set up their systems to become a validator, to become a uh, like a, a toll, a toll booth, or a checkpoint in the way that money is getting a f- you know, confirmed uh, or allocated throughout the network, throughout the system. When when the it's it's like a, a checkpoint on the internet of how and where money goes. And if you're a node, you can actually collect fees on a lot of the transactions that take place. So that's no surprise there. But the interesting part is uh, their use of stable coins for payment activities, which means banking institutions all across the country can now use stable coins for any and every banking feature that they offer. This says more than anything, the confirmation of this, this, this digital asset really establishing itself in the economy. And this is in the United States, the United States with the U.S. dollar. And it's now relying on this new innovation, this new innovative sector to deliver, to deliver this real-time payment technology. This is a very big deal. And it's really not getting uh, the coverage that it deserves um, because of the impact that it's going to make. In fact... When it comes to the very real situations that are taking place in this world, really all we have to understand and see is the, the source of a lot of what takes place is monetary related. So when a lot of stuff starts to go down, when we're pointing fingers about that this person and that person are blaming whomever and however, whatever policies are going down, this usually just boils down to the money factor, like who's in control and and what is the money doing. And so this this innovative turn to uh, stablecoin acceptance is very profound to to the economy, to the worldwide economy, really, because of all the other very wealthy institutions that are going to take place and they're going to use this thing. And uh, I will say as a bit of a caveat to this, one of the biggest uh, criticisms to this key legislation is that it really doesn't improve that monetary policy too much, meaning the banks can still really behave, continue their, be, their, their bad practice behaviors. So business as usual, only now able to use the new innovative technology of what this digital asset uh, what these digital assets are going to do. So <clears throat> it's important to take note of that. And as we move on to the good stuff as well, there's, yes, there's more because I have to uh, make some things pretty clear about what actually is involved when it comes to monetary policy to what um, money is really um, 
in, in direct uh, responsible for. So there's another, there's a new department within the U.S. Treasury called FinCEN, Financial Crimes Enforcement Network. And the FinCEN department within the U.S. Treasury proposed a controversial draft for crypto compliance in an effort to place the same AML, anti-money laundering, and KYC, know your customer, regulations on to place to place these regulations onto non-custodial wallets. So these particular regulations are usually only found within central exchanges, meaning when you go into an exchange and you create an account, you have to have a thorough uh, completed and confirmed account by passing this aspect of uh, regulation, which really it just entails you of uh, uploading your ID just to kind of deliver your, your self-identification. But this proposed draft was, is being like snuck in to legislation in a way of not given, again, not given the same amount of, of uh, attention that it deserves because it is a very big deal. You're talking about not only messing with money, but messing with our money, messing with my money, messing with your money in a particular way. So what, what's interesting about this is, uh, well, first let me, let me explain the non-custodial aspect of having a wallet. When you, when you have an account within a central exchange like Coinbase, like Kraken, like Gemini, that's a centralized entity. And so the wallet that's within that account of yours that you're holding coins in, it's still under their control. The only way to change that is for you to open a non-custodial wallet, meaning various different types of wallets that exist out there in applications in your phone, in a new app. That is a wallet in itself. And if those digital assets are sent to that wallet, that non-custodial wallet, that means it's yours and under your control. And so the, the big deal about this, this proposal of these regulations is putting these particularities, this, this strict kind of, um, I don't know, this, this strict kind of oversight into your non-custodial wallet, thereby really not making it non-custodial after all, because there is a bit of a hand that's being allowed into your your proposed your your assumed non-custodial wallet if this actually follows through so it's it's developed a high level of controversy because it stems from this this aspect of a of a potential legislation from the US Treasury that's drawing criticism from many CEOs and industry leaders as well as a small group of representatives within our congress yeah there is a a, a very powerful group getting behind the effort of not letting this thing pass through because it's, it's considered to be rushed, thus making it chaotic in its decision-making. If you, this is, this is kind of a big deal and you do not want to have this, this simply rushed to put into place, to put into legislation, especially if it's not totally understood 
on what the potential of something like this, of, of having a non-custodial wallet, because they offer a lot of different features. They offer a lot of different potential, a lot of benefits that I've described about acquiring these huge um, interest gains that you can achieve having a non-custodial wallet because it's it's the ability, it's almost like using that MakerDAO within your non-custodial wallet and benefiting from those very um, high gains. And so in a, in a sense, that's part of the reason why there's a an effort to to not rush or not have this piece of legislation allowed because it does somewhat stifle the innovation and the potential of owning something like this. And to further the uh, that controversy on what this means, FinCEN, the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, misled the public because they they were only allowing 12 days for meaningful public feedback when originally they were giving 15 days. So when a piece of legislation like this takes place, um, there is a, a, a level of uh, participation that's allowed so the public can provide some feedback so that there's some democratic process. If there's something not right, then you have the ability to speak out against it. And so Finson was trying to shorten that that questionable time frame. And I say questionable because Coinbase, in fact, was one of the first very influential entity entities to come out and speak out against this a very, very real and proposed effort, exposing the lack of this customary consultation period. So when something like this of this magnitude comes about, customarily, the public should have 60 days to provide feedback. And yet, Vincent was only trying to sneak all this in within 12 days. Um, luckily, the, the, uh, all the crypto keepers out there and a lot of the participants in the crypto space are very affluent in getting, um, and being very active. Because with such a short time frame, they managed to uh, really speak out. And that office received 65,000 plus comments that were jammed their way, picking apart this unexpected and hidden legislation. This is a very powerful, uh, I think, movement. Because this was something that was going to directly affect not only the early adopters in the crypto space right now, but in the long run affect everyone that was going to be eventually coming in to this crypto space, into this new economy. And you had such a, a, a loud um, outcry from the people already here that saw this and spoke out very quickly. And not only that, it was so many others, the influential CEOs and industry leaders, as well as a small group in Congress who are behind the innovative process of crypto. This is the very proactive nature that it takes to make a change, to make a movement. So you have to look favorably. Look favorably to what makes money. One of the reasons for such little to none in interest earnings in your savings deposit 
in a bank is the real practice of the bank shareholders taking those profits of your actual earned interest along with the interest uh, from the practices of them lending out your money as well and accumulating all of those, you know, all of those funds and then sharing it amongst themselves as the shareholders to that bank. This is the type of practice that takes place. And this is the very disruption to that system that stable coins and these decentralized platforms can offer because you deserve to benefit from your money, from your value, from what you considered to be an ability to, to main, to remain afloat, to try and get ahead, whatever it takes to try and sustain your living and the practice that the banks get to carry on and share in the spoils of something that's deserved to you, you, I, I don't really have to say more than that. So that's why the use of stable coins is pretty significant because of the potential of user, utilizing these benefits. So all the while, the failed monetary policy in this outdated legacy financial system leave the public holding a depreciating bag, which means the, do- the value of the dollar has been sinking for quite some time. In fact, uh, the last I saw, it, was, it made it up to 90 cents, but it had been holding from 87 to 89 cent value meaning your dollar was valued even less than you think. However, turn your head to a stable coin. And if you put a dollar into a stable coin, that price is still stabilized to a dollar, not 90 cents. So the challenge here, the challenge is either educating the public about their role, educating your role in economics or coming to an agreement and whether anything is wrong with your country's economy. Because we've allowed something to happen. We've allowed ourselves to put our energies and cry foul at certain individuals in office and certain rulemaking and policies and, and a bit of a circus that takes place within the government in our country and putting our thoughts and efforts and energy into these clowns running around when it comes down to the actual entities that control and rule what this money flow does. Central banks are not the central authority to civil liberties. However, politicians seem to react to what monetary policy coming from these private financial systems, such as the Federal Reserve, the Wall Street, or an asset-managing institution called BlackRock, whatever it is that they decide to do. If they say jump, our politicians say how high. These entities have become the fourth branch of government. So, I'd like everyone to take note of really what is wrong with the system as we know it. Are we going to continue 
to storm the steps of a building that has nothing to do with the root cause of what's affecting the instability of society? Or are we going to finally put our vote where it counts? The only vote that ever counted is where you put your dollar. I'm going to leave the stablecoin topic at that, and I'm going to leave it in your hands as to how you want to see it and how you feel about it. Just understand that this stuff is on approach. It's on the horizon, and it's headed your way. And it's best to educate and learn how to utilize the benefits of what this new financial system can offer. So in my closing, I want to give a shout out. Shout out to Metaverse Productions, the musical talent behind this show's theme music. They will be opening their long-awaited gallery, The Art Dungeon, on January 16th, shortly after this, the day this episode airs, within Decentraland. So... Today's topic dealt with stable coins, and I really honestly didn't know I was going to get into uh, to this topic um, until the, the turn of events that have been taking place, especially with some of the headlines and the legislations that have been uh, happening in regards to stable coins, because I'm really interested in getting into a lot of what Ethereum uh, is going to do and what it's going to offer and a lot of the very creative aspects that it's um, that it's making way for so many creative individuals out there. So I wanted to highlight those boys in Metaverse Productions because they had a huge gallery built in Decentraland called the Art Dungeon and they're excited about debuting, finally opening those doors in that virtual world to show off this new collection of NFTs they will be featuring a whole new set of crypto artists with never before seen NFT crypto art. And I will be providing links in um, the my decentralized platform, such as Uptrend and Library, where you find bonus content uh, to a lot of this material, as well as links to find out a little bit more about these uh, stable coins and how to, uh, you know, take part in the benefits that they offer. I'm still working on the evolution of this podcast. So if you want to see a little more of the Decentraland, I've been adding, trying to add some video, providing a virtual tour to go along with the audio podcast that um, you're listening to now. There are so many possibilities in the digital asset space and in in this virtual world of Decentraland. It's just one unique opportunity I enjoy highlighting. So guys, if the market dips, be diligent, stay long, and hodl on. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for more disruption. This is One Nation Under God and Crypto for All. This has been Globe Media Network Podcast.